Good morning. Good morning, guys. I want to call you to attention, and uh, I want to welcome each and every one of you, Band of Brothers. It's great to see some new faces. It's great to see some old faces. I don't mean age-wise. It's a little echo up here. I don't know. But uh, it's great to see everyone here that's coming, not just for the food to have breakfast, but that's coming to hear God's Word. And if you're here for the very first time, if you've never been here before, not if you haven't been here in a while, but if you've never been here before, please ask the table leaders of forming the offering bowl that you can fill out. We'll get you physically registered um, and we'll get you a welcome, a formal welcome out to you. But anyway, today, today we're going to wrap up a series. Actually, three series have been based on Micah 6.8. But before I do that, you're going to notice a card on your table. It's time again. The, 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 uh, the mission team is not allowed to go out to the reservation again this year. But as you know, back in March, we stopped with the Warm the Res. We take, uh, I'm speaking now in terms for Timothy, in terms of teoshpeministries.org. And that's the website. And you go on there and there's ways that you could donate. But right now we're asking for those that are faithful in donating, start donating to the backpacks for the res. Because even though we're not going, these kids still need school supplies. And some of them have come to depend on that. Before we went, maybe they're going to school with a half a pencil. Now they're going to school with a full backpack. So um, don't bring in backpacks. We order them in bulk. They're already, we know what's allowed to go in them, but take this card or just go on Teoshpe, I know it's hard to spell, but go on teoshpeministries.org and you can donate to, for backpacks for the res. Warm the res for the heating oil, if you want to donate that. Right now, that's not a crisis. That starts up again in October. It's two, two missions during the year, the backpacks and heating oil. But anyway, we, we did three complete series now. We're finishing up on the one verse, Micah 6.8. Okay, we talked about living justly. We talked about five weeks about that. And we talked about loving mercy. Some Bibles say kindness. And now we've been talking about walking humbly with thy God. And part, part of walking humbly, it takes in the whole thing because you see, you see, when we're just looking out for ourselves, we're not walking humbly with our God. And, and God calls us to do that. I want to look at what I'm speaking about today. Greater love has no man. You've heard the verse. And I want to look at John 15, 13 on the screen. First of all, in the ESV. And then I'm going to switch it. And I'm going to tell you why. The ESV says... Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. But let's look at John 15, 13 in the King James Version, because today I'm talking to men. Today I'm talking to men that are supposed to be leading their households, that are supposed to be spiritual leaders, that are supposed to be leaders in their community. And what does the King James Version says? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. That a man 
laid down his life for his friends. And as we go along here, you're going to hear what the real godly definition of a man is. And I hope we all fall into that category. So who does that? Who does that? Well, it doesn't take long to think of a prime example, right? Jesus Christ, the God-man. Let's look at Romans. Romans, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today, but let's look at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who does that? Who does that? Sinning against him and he'll die for us. God, man, 100% God, 100% man. You know, Let's just pray. Let's just pray at this point. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for that God-man that while I was still a sinner, while I was still a sinner and hating the laws that he put forth, not obeying them, he died for me. and paid for my sin on the cross. Who does that but a loving, powerful God that we all need to serve? Thank you for Jesus, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, some may be saying, some may be saying, well, yeah, but he was God. You know, he could do anything. But let, let me just remind, this is not going to be on the screen, but it came to me later. I just want to remind you what Philippians 2, 5 to 8 says. And listen to this. Just listen. You don't have to read anything. It's not on the screen. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You see, what did God empty himself of? Jesus didn't empty himself of being God. He never stopped being God. He never stopped being all-powerful. He never stopped being all-knowing. What did he empty himself of? He emptied himself of the advantage of being God. He veiled that so that he could live as a man, feel the pain, feel the hurt, feel the disappointments that we each have, and then take all that and take our punishment and without sin and go to the cross for you and me. Can somebody say amen? amen. Jesus felt it all, even on the cross. It would have been a ripoff otherwise. I'm God, I don't feel anything. No. No, it was veiled. He emptied himself of that. And he was teaching us valuable lessons. That if we would learn those lessons that he taught from the cross, we could change the world. The key is that we talked about it on Easter, an Easter message. 
when we heard the quote from the Catholic priest, Bertrand Weaver, indicating that men will only win the warfare of earthly life if the wisdom which Christ taught on the cross saturates our minds, okay? And the victory that he had on the cross invigorates our will. Does that invigorate your will? Your will to do what God wants. Your will to tell the world about Jesus Christ. Christ is a prime example of what it means to lay down his life for his friends. Yet Jesus taught us that we can lay down our lives for our friends. If we put ourselves, if we put ourselves behind others, we put others before ourselves by forgiving those who wrong us, by giving the lost hope, and by caring for the needs of others by our willingness to sacrifice our comforts. If we learn those lessons, we can do it. Let's look at Romans 5, 9 to 10. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You see, men, if we're totally reconciled in Jesus Christ, once and for all, never having to worry about that, never having to worry about our security, never having to worry where we're going or our friends are going, that are saved when they go. It actually frees us. It frees us to do what? It frees us to lay down our lives for our friends. Because see, greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. So, so, so Jesus isn't saying that we all necessarily have to die, physically die for friends, although it could come to that. He's talking more about prioritizing our desires, which will then direct our actions. We can only keep our priorities straight, men, if we take the love that God pours into us and we pour it into others. Let's look at Romans. Five, three to five. Listen to this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I'm not rejoicing in my sufferings right now. I'm not. I'm being honest with you. But I know that's just my feeling in here. And my feelings are, will lead me astray. But what I'm doing is, I'm in my mind and in my very soul, I'm rejoicing in that it's not my feelings that count, but the fact that that word says, okay? And here's what the word says. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And, and hope does not put us to shame, 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So think about this as Christians. We actually have God living in us through the Holy Spirit, giving us an endless supply of love, endless. And we need to give that love to others because the more we give that love to others, the more God gives to us because he never runs out. It's an endless supply. And you know why? Because God is love. Amen? 1 John 4.11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You heard that saying? That love wasn't put in our heart to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. We're not just here to love ourselves. We're not just here to love our families. We're here to love our friends that God calls friends. We're going to see in a minute who God calls friends. But there's so many men in the Bible that did this. But I thought of three. I'm going to start out with three biblical characters. Then I'm going to start out with a couple worldly characters. Okay? Moses. Moses. He put his life at risk. He was living in luxury. He was living in the palace. He was living as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had everything. But he chose to go with his people. And he chose to lead, to risk his life, to lay down his life and lead men through the wilderness into the promised land, up to the promised land. And then how about Joseph, who God allowed, you think you have troubles, who God allowed to be sold into slavery. But why? See, I'm going through a hurt. You're going through a hurt. We don't know why right now. But why? Because only by being sold into slavery was Joseph eventually put in a position where the entire nation of Israel was not wiped out but saved. Because he was in a position of authority where he could control the food during the worst famine in history. Or how about Paul? Beaten, shipwrecked, left for dead, stoned, jailed, but kept going because he wanted to spread the gospel to the lost. And he ends up writing so much of the New Testament. That's called laying down your lives for your friends. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, and he sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I love you. I love you. I'm sorry you're going through that. I love you. Is that laying down our lives? Or is rushing to help the family of the husband that's dying and maybe bringing them a meal or maybe just going over to pray with them? 
even if it inconveniences us, even if we have to cancel our prayers. I'm talking to Christian men here. I'm talking to you guys. I'm talking to me. God commands us to love not with our words, but with our actions. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Although I give importance to verse 16, I do give importance to that, literally laying down our lives for brothers and sisters. I believe that instruction, though, is much more multidimensional than just one and done. Laying down my life, I'm dead, okay, good. I did a good job. However, what about during these lives? It's much more multidimensional. So how do, how do we lay down our lives for others? Well, maybe it means giving up material things for those in need, which fits the lifestyle of loving others with action and truth and not just talk. It's not easy. This isn't easy for most of us. It's not easy for me. Or how about when a brother or sister wrongs us? When a brother or sister wrongs us, are we going to believe that Jesus' way of forgiving is better? Or are we going to choose to murder that person in our heart? What are we as men called to do? Let's look at a couple more, more recent examples. They're not very recent, but they're much more recent than the three I gave you. Of people laying down their lives for a friend. This is incredible. I cannot vouch for the certainty of the spiritual condition of these two people, but in these examples that I'm going to give you, the principle of the verses that I'm discussing still applies. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You might have heard of him. I'm old. Growing up in the 50s, you might have heard of him. Audie Murphy. Let's talk about Audie Murphy. Okay. We're men. I want to talk about Audie Murphy. This is a man, okay? June 20th, 1925, the 28th of May, 1971, he was an American soldier, actor, songwriter. That was all after he was a soldier. He was an unknown soldier. He was one of the most decorated American combat soldiers in all the World War II. He received every military combat award for valor available from the United States Army, as well as French and Belgian awards for heroism. Murphy received the Medal of Honor for Valor, Valor and he demonstrated at the age of 19, single-handedly holding off an entire German company of soldiers for an hour at the Colmar Pocket in France in January 1945, and then leading a successful counterattack while wounded and out of ammunition. So how did he do this? In the Colmer Pocket, 850 square miles in the mountains, had been held by German troops in November of 44. On January 45, Murphy rejoined his platoon, which had moved to the Colmer area. He moved with the 3rd Division on the 24th of January, wounded in both legs, for which he received a bronze oak leaf cluster for his Purple Heart. And as the company awaited reinforcements on January 26th, he was made commander of Company B. 
the Germans then scored a direct hit on an M-Tank destroyer, setting it on fire, forcing the crew to abandon. Murphy ordered his men to retreat to positions in the woods, remaining alone at the post, shooting his M1 carbine and directing artillery fire via his field radio while the Germans aimed fire directly at him in his position. He then mounted the burning abandoned tank and began firing its 50 caliber machine gun at the advancing Germans, killing a squad crawling through a ditch towards him. For an hour, Murphy stood on that flaming tank destroyer alone, returning German fire from foot soldiers and advancing tanks and killing and wounding 50 Germans. He sustained more leg wounds, disregarded his injury, and then went back to repel the Germans. He insisted on remaining while his wounds were treated. For his actions that day, he was awarded the Medal of Honor. When asked after the war why he had seized that machine gun and taken on that entire German infantry, he replied, they were killing my friends. Murphy received every United States military combat award for Valor available from the United States Army for his World War II service. Greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. This was a man. What's happened? What's happened to us? We idolize these football and baseball players that are paid $300 million and they sit on the bench for two weeks because they got a splinter in their butt or a hangnail on their hand and we wear their jerseys, me included. This was a man that laid down his life for his friends. Greater love has no man. Let's talk about Mother Teresa, another example. It was part of her job to make sure she was keeping up with her own medical regime. Medical professionals who cared for her and assisted in her ministry said she was persistently ignoring her serious health issues to care for others. Sister Ronnie Daniels, a Benedictine nurse who serves at Mother Teresa's AIDS hospice in Washington, explained that when it opened in 82, there was no treatment for the disease and it was not yet understood. As medical progress was made, she said the hospice received drugs that were so cutting edge that neither she nor the doctors heard of them. But it was never about the mother. It was always about the people the mother cared for, she said. As far as Mother Teresa's attitude, she said, God will take care of me. Greater love hath no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. The foundational, the foundational truth of all this is this. One man's sin brought an entire, the entire world under sin. One man, Adam. And through that one man, Christ, came the abundance of grace free gift of righteousness. 
Do you have that gift? Have you ever gotten around to accepting that free gift that was so costly? Well, if you know me, I can't leave here without giving you that chance. The Father provided His Son, Jesus, to die for the sin of the world, but more importantly, to die for your sin and my sin. Have you ever been told the truth, you and the people on Zoom, have you ever been told the truth that God died personally for your sin? And have you ever acknowledged the fact that you can be saved for eternal life in heaven rather than spend eternity apart from God? You see, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. And Jesus also said that unless you're born again, you cannot see God. And this born again, it's, it's, it's simple. It's not a term. I mean, God says, God says in his word that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But I'm going to give you a chance if you're curious today and came here to hear more about this Jesus Christ, but you've never really, really accepted that gift. God gives it to us. We need to accept it. Would you bow your heads right now? And man, if you are, if you are a Christian and you know for sure you're a Christian, pray for that one that may be here. Okay, let's do this. And the words, the words, yeah, they're important, but it's the words of your heart. These words do not save you. I just want to give you some guidance, okay? First of all, we need to admit that we're sinners because the Bible says all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of God. So, so if you don't believe you're a sinner, then you don't believe the Bible. So let's acknowledge that. Father, I know that I have sinned before you. I know I've sinned many times, Lord. And yet the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. If we've committed one sin, Lord, I committed, I've, I'm a sinner, Lord. Tell them that. If we've committed one sin, that wage is death, which means separation from God for eternity. But yet the other half of that verse says, but the gift of God is the eternal life through his son, Jesus. Ask him right now, Lord, I need a savior and I know Jesus, I know you are the only way. And I ask you, Lord, tell them, I ask you, Lord, from today on to live in my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I want to put aside, I know I'll fail, but I want to put aside my own desires. And Jesus, would you live your life through me? I commit you to this day, from this day forward, to acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. That's it. If that's the condition of your heart, tell somebody. If that's the condition of your heart and you prayed that prayer, you are now a member of the family. I don't care what anybody says. When God saves you, he doesn't unsave you. 
He did nothing to get saved. He got saved by grace, by his Holy Spirit encouraging you to come to say that prayer. You got saved by grace through faith, and that doesn't get taken away. You can rest in the comfort. If you're a Christian, you can rest in the comfort that God is continually pouring love. He doesn't depend on you if you're being good or bad. He still loves you. Yeah, you could break fellowship with him. You can break fellowship with them where you need to repent and run back to that Savior. Because he loves you. In reality, guys, getting ready to close. In reality, few of us will ever, ever be put in a position to die for another person. Yet we all have the opportunity to put others first daily. How many veterans in here? You just raise your hand. Veterans, raise your hand. You know, when a veteran is called or when a veteran joins, well, he's not a veteran when he joins, but when a when a, when a young man or a young woman joins the service, what's he doing? He's writing, a, giving a blank check to the United States government for an amount up to in, and including his life. No greater love has any man than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. I want to thank all you veterans. So let's get back to Jesus as we finish. After listening to me speak these truths to you, when do you think Jesus laid down his life for us? It didn't begin at the cross. You see, it began when he asked a hated tax collector to join and follow him, knowing what the results would be with the people that were around him that would gossip. It began with asking a hated tax collector. It also began when he saved an adulterous woman from being stoned and the repercussions that had on him. It also began when he raised Lazarus from the dead and all the mouths started, started gossiping, people turning against him because he thought he was God. Well, no, he didn't think he was God. He is God. And it really began when he said he could tear down that temple and in three days it would be built again. And that's when they actually started plotting to kill him. You see, Jesus laid down his life for his friends throughout his life. And especially during his ministry. Which cultivated with the literal laying down of his life on the cross. For the sin of the world. So, not, so, so, so let's not focus. We're not called to focus totally on the physical. Dying for another person. And miss the opportunities presented. Probably daily. For laying down our lives for others. Greater love hath no man than this. That a man. Lay down his life for his friends. Look at John 15, 14. It says, you are, now I'm going to tie this together so you have to pay attention. 
You are my friends. Friends, same word, if you do what I command you. This is Jesus. The use of the term friends is important because, you see, Jesus sees his disciples and by extension us as his friends. Okay, so he says, if you do what I command you, you're my friends. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Look at 1 John 3, 14. It's going to tie it all together. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So again, John 15, 14 says, we are friends of Jesus if we follow his commands, of which the two great ones are all about love, okay? And 1 John 3, 14 indicates that we passed from death into life if we love the brothers. So the Bible tells us that we have no greater way to love the brothers, right? Than by laying down our lives. Jesus calls us friends. Jesus calls us followers friends. Jesus tells us that we love him if we follow his commands. And his command is to love our brothers. And there's no greater love than to lay down our lives for our friends. So today the question becomes. Will we choose death? Or will we choose life by laying down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ, remembering, remembering, and remembering that greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. My friends, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every man here. I thank you for the man that may have made the commitment for the first time and accepted you as Savior. And I thank you most of all for your word. Lord, I pray that each one of us, including me and me especially, would leave here today changed and encouraged and, and, and just loving more and learning more and being willing to stand in the gap, to be a man, to love our brothers and sisters. That's your command. Because you say, if you love me, you will follow my command. And your command is to love. And there's no greater love, the word says, than I should lay down my life for my friends. I pray, Father, that you help each one of us to accomplish this. And I pray that we go into our discussions, Lord, that we would be honest and vulnerable with each other as we look at the questions, but most of all, as we examine our lives. And let no man leave here today, Father, without being changed because he got closer to Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen.